Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by the ghost of good movie trailers. Remember when previews didn't ruin the movie? Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome everybody to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Night of the Blood Freaks. Make a great escape to the movie all your friends are watching and see Night of the Blood Freaks in 3D. Welcome everyone to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And we're filmmakers. Um, I'm a full-time writer-director and Todd's a full-time producer. We both act. uh, We both write. do a bunch of stuff and we try to use all that information uh, as both a way to demystify and look inside a movie, break it down, see what it's made of. That's why we call it the pestle. It's like a pestle and mortar. You grind it up, see what it's made of. But we also use it, or at least I do, as a method of trying to get better at what I do as a storyteller. Like I love coming in and, and seeing how does this movie operate? You know, what are the fundamentals? What are the principles that, that are at play that make this a good or a bad story? And how can I apply that to anything I'm working on? And of course, it's just fun. It's, it's always really fun. Being in on a movie set is probably one of the more fun things you can do. It's so creative. It's collaborative. Um, you're, you're both working on art, but it's also very serious. Uh, and is there, I don't know if there's anything more fun than just being very serious about your art. Uh, it's, it's so pretentious, but at the same time, it's necessary because you're putting a lot of money on the line. You're putting a lot of time and energy on the line. Why wouldn't you take it serious? But one of the, the, the things that I think can make you grow the most is mistakes that you make while making something screw ups and in a number of ways, whether it's, well, don't do that again. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's one thing. Um, but there's sometimes you, you make a mistake and uh, you, you have to make a choice. I think one of my mistakes that I was like, I don't know what to do right now. Um, so I like to shoot film super 16 and that's a, it's a weird process shooting on film. Uh, and so I bought a camera a while back and just kind of put it on the shelf because I was like, I don't know how to operate this thing yet. So I took some classes, you know, read some stuff online, but you still, I still need to get my hands dirty, right? You need to be on set working with this thing. Um, and so I connected with a local uh, cinematographer and he was working on a short film. And so he's like, Hey, can we use your camera, uh, for the short film? And I was like, yes, I won't charge you a thing for it. But the asterisk is I need to be the one loading it. I want to load the film. Um, I want to work on this project as the loader so that at a minimum, I can get some reps in loading, downloading film. You you load it and downloading is whenever you're unloading the, the exposed film, right? Because it's celluloid. And so on one side, you have to load it in pitch black, right? I, I, I have a, a canvas, a tent. Um, uh, it's really a bag. It's not a tent. Tents have nice propped up things. Uh, which is significant for the story I'm about to tell. Um, and so the bag though, is just this flat thing. You put your hands in, it's pitch black. And so you zip it, you Velcro it. And there's these two little holes that are elastic band uh, and they're, it's double ringed. And so you slip your hands in that way. No light can seep in because if any light gets in there, you ruin the film. The whole point of film is you're exposing it to light when it runs through the lens or behind the lens. Um, and so light is being captured at that moment. Now, if light hits it while you're loading the film, it's spoiled, right? It's all just blank. Uh, and if after you expose it, you know, run it through your gate, 
and then it gets exposed to light, you know, then it's ruined. Like anything you captured is blank because it's overexposed and, and, and destroyed because it's so sensitive. It only takes a fraction of a fraction of a second for an image to be, you know, spilled onto it. Um, if you think about, you know, 24 frames a second is running through the camera and then maybe only half of that time is spent uh, with the with the gate open, um, then you can imagine just how quick and how sensitive it is to light. So any speck of light that gets on there uh, can absolutely destroy your image. And so everything has to be light tight. So I'm on set. I got, uh, we're on like, I don't know, day two of, of you know, shooting this, this short film. Uh, and it's always interesting as a director to be in, on someone else's set that I'm not an actor on and I'm not a director on. Um, and so it's just like, I'm, I'm observing how another set is run without almost any stake in the game. I, I do my job, but uh, there's also just a lot of standing around watching and we may maybe talk about that on another day, but, uh, and so I'm, I'm loading up a, a new magazine, um, with film. And so whenever you're doing this, you, you take your magazine, um, you air blow it so that you can get all dust particles, any hair particles that have been floating around. You want to make sure nothing scratches this hypersensitive film and, you insert it into the bag, right? You unzip, there's there's two sides of it, the sides with, uh, that have the holes for your hands to go in. Then there's the other side, the back side, uh, that has a zipper and a Velcro uh, strap. And so you unvelcro it, you unzip it, place in the, the empty magazine, you place in the can of film uh, that you're gonna unwrap and uh, start loading it. And you're doing all this stuff in the, in the absolute dark. You can't see what you're doing. Um, and so I'm, I'm in there, have my hands in, I, I work through it. Everything's fine. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is done. Um, and you, you do your best to kind of check and make sure like films loaded. I got all the sprockets in place and then you pull your hands out and you un, un Velcro it, unzip it. And it's at this point, it's, I'm, I'm halfway unzipping it and it's having a hard time unzipping. Um, and it's at this point that I realize um, the, the bag, the bag itself, the canvas bag got sucked into the magazine as I was closing the lid on the magazine, a, a piece of the canvas, because again, this isn't a tent. Your, your hands are in this vacuum sealed uh, Ziploc bag because that's effectively what it is. There's no air that's flowing through there. Again, no dust, no light can get in. And, and if you're light tight, you know, you're, you're also, there's not a lot of oxygen that can get in because the only two holes where air can flow is now occupied by your hands. And so you do your best to kind of create some space in there before you put your hands in, but uh, it doesn't really work. You just can't. Uh, and so through the process of like opening, cause again, imagine you, you're whatever opening a, a, a bag or something and a vacuum sealed thing. Well, when that thing opens, it's pulling in, there's no extra air in there. And so it's sucking in uh, the bag. And so you're kind of fighting that. And then you do your best to like move it out of the way so that whenever you close the magazine, uh, it's clear. And you can usually tell because the latch will close. Um, but there's so many layers to this bag that one of the the very inside layer uh, got, got caught in it. And I just gotcha. couldn't tell. And so I latched it closed. And as I'm pulling it out, I'm like, crap. Uh, I, I'm because the, the, the magazine won't come out and I realize it's stuck. 
So I quickly shut it, you know, zip it, Velcro it, put my hands back in to see what went wrong. And I'm like, crap, uh, just got caught in the, the magazine. Now here's where time stops for like 30 seconds and it feels like an hour because I'm like, I think it's fine. Like I was already in a very dark place. The, the, the magazine was in, you know, never really got exposed to light, uh, because I went out as a backup emergency. Like I'm always making sure I don't do this in this really nicely well lit room, right? You do it in maybe not a pitch black bathroom, which sometimes I do. Uh, but in this case, we were just outside of a movie theater. So there wasn't anywhere for me to go. So I just kind of went on the side of a car or, uh, no, there was a, a stand set up in the middle of this dark theater. And so I was there and I was like, I don't think it's ruined, <laughs> but I don't know. There is no way to know. You would have to literally send a sample out to a lab to have them check it. Ugh. Like there is absolutely no way to know. because and it's you not your production. It, and it's not my production. And so I'm like, uh, if this was my production, I'm, I'm probably fine. I'm like, I... I think it's fine. Maybe I just use it as a backup magazine where I get some extra takes some B-roll. Um, and that way I, I'm not counting on it, but I also might get some really cool stuff and I don't waste a $200 roll of film. And we only have, I think, 12 or 15 rolls of film for this short film. And so I'm like, ah, I don't know, but I got to be safe. I go and grab uh, my DP because again, I'm just a loader and I go grab my DP and I'm like, here's what happened. I think it's fine. What do you want to do? And it's hard. It's hard to go up to someone and say, I think I screwed up really badly. But at the same time, I think it's fine. And he looks at it and I made sure to kind of keep everything exactly as it was so that he could get a good look. Um, and he's like, I think you're right. I think it's probably fine. Let's scrap it uh, just to be safe, just because we can't come back to this theater. That's a really expensive get cost like two grand to get this theater and he's like let's just be safe and i'm like okay uh and so i had to risk looking like an idiot i had to risk looking like a, a a moron who doesn't know what he's doing and you know can't hack it and eat that bullet because sometimes you have to do that that's just the right thing to do how much worse would i have felt if suddenly we go to expose the film and it's ruined and now we have you know 11 minutes of footage erased from the ability to, to use. And so sometimes you just have to eat the bullet. Um, and, and you know, it, it sucks, but that is such a great story for how, <laughs> for who you are. And that's why I'm your friend. What a great, <laughs> what, because yes, we all screw up and we all make mistakes, even at what we love, especially at what we love because we do it a lot, but to be, to say, to take your 30 seconds to live with yourself, <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, yes, I'm an idiot. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Now I got to go tell this other guy that I'm an idiot because it's his production, because that's what you would want somebody to do for you. And as, and as, as difficult as it might be, if it's your production, I think that you would think that that would be honorable because not people aren't perfect. People screw up. Even people, you know, let, let's say like Shannon, right. Who's uh, he's a, professional DIT guy in Hollywood. Like the guy, does, I guarantee he has made mistakes. Like, you know, we are yeah. human beings and I guarantee he's probably gotten in trouble, you know, or, and I, I'm sure he's probably been in situations where they're, they're like, well, we understand 
thank you for meant for telling us whatever this is here's here's the way forward it seems like that guy was pretty cool about it like he un, he understood did it do you know did it end up being no, okay i asked because i was like tell you what let me have that role i want to find out i'm gonna go shoot on it um whatever i'll pay for it but uh, mm-hmm. i'll go shoot on it and i'll just see if that was actually a bust or not um but apparently it got lumped in with everything else and uh it just it got developed and the, there was nothing on it and so we'll never know uh whether or not uh it was actually ruined um, what do you mean it got de- it got developed and and there was yeah. nothing on it what do you mean well, he sent, uh, after the production, he had 11 cans of film or whatever yeah. uh, with exposed properly. And then he had one that was not exposed properly. And if you go oh. and develop that, like, there's nothing on it because there, there was never anything on it. Um, there's no way to tell whether or not it got ruined or not. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And so gotcha. once it gets processed. And so... Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. It was comforting after the fact, because again, I don't really know any of these people. This is my first time working with Brody. This is, uh, you know, all these, you just feel so small and so dumb and, and especially working with film for the first time. And I was just like, Oh man, but I would never live with myself. Like if, and after that, I started reading, you know, some uh, blogs and there was one guy who worked, who was a loader on a big film. And he went to uh, download film. Downloading again is when you've already shot a roll of film. And now there's there's two sides of film, right? There's the, the feeder side with the unexposed film. There's the uh, take-up side with all the exposed film, right? Um, and so this is on the, 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 the take-up side that was exposed already. Yep. And he goes and uh, he does it a thousand times a day, right? Where he goes in, downloads film, loads a new roll, um, and finishes and goes out to the cart and he's like, okay, here's an, here's a fresh mag that's ready. Uh, and he's like, something was different about that one. What was different about that? He's, he kind of replays it into his mind. He's like, yeah, I went in, you know, I, I, I saw it, you know, I saw my, you know, I could, I saw the, the, the film that I pulled off and everything looked fine. Wait, I saw the film as I pulled it off the, I shouldn't be able to see the film. <laughs> like there shouldn't be no light in the room. <laughs> and he's like, Oh my God, I'm going to look like the biggest jackass in the world. But I had to go to my AD and tell him, Hey, this room is that this, this last role that we shot is ruined. I, I ruined it. We need to go reshoot all that stuff because you know, I flashed it. It's what you call it. And whenever you do that, I flashed the film. Um, and got everything was cool. It was like, Hey, happens. Let's, uh, hey guys, we can't move on, New Deal. We need to go and reshoot this, this. And this is why you also have, uh, uh, you know, logging sheets that tells you what exists on which roll of film so that you can go and say, okay, we need this shot, this shot, and this shot um, that we shot on that last roll. And so, do they, do they typically like wait to move until after someone has downloaded the film for that reason? good question i don't know um i suspect not <laughs> i suspect that yeah everyone is just clicking um but the second you know you gotta speak of course yeah. <laughs> um, i mean that's that's gotta be the worst job on set man <laughs> i mean we're, we're the only time anybody notices you is when you mess up <laughs> right that's you right. know you're like a drummer right <laughs> nobody notices you unless you mess up <laughs> oh, wow. sometime maybe we can do a uh, great fr- story 
Yeah, there's it's it's funny here. It's I think it's interesting hearing stories on set, and maybe eventually we'll do Friday the Thirteenth, which is uh, I think the biggest movie I've worked on, uh, where I was there for pretty much the entire production as the stand-in for Jason Voorhees, of course. And so uh, there's probably one or two interesting little tidbits that we can throw in, not yeah. necessarily because the movie is so epic and worthy of whatever. It's a it's a horror film. It's a slasher film, <laughs> um, and we can analyze that. But yeah, uh, maybe we'll do that eventually. That'll cool. I would love that. Awesome. Nice. So uh, what are we what are we analyzing today, man? <laughs> yeah. So today we're we're covering Denis Villeneuve's Enemy. Uh, so if you haven't seen that film, please pause this episode, go watch it. I believe it is streaming. Where is it streaming? On HBO, I think. Hmm. Something like hmm. that. Uh, so if you have, yeah, if you haven't, if you haven't, please pause the episode, go watch it because we're gonna. I guess we're gonna ruin some stuff not totally sure it's it's like one of those films where it's like i think it's about this i think it's about that and you're probably right you're probably and you're right. probably wrong you and know you're like probably wrong. <laughs> for sure we'll look at uh probably a lot of stuff but i don't have a lot of stuff prepped i have like one ish thing prepped cool. which is the story and writing like what's it all about what's up with the spider uh yeah so we'll 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 dive into that and see if we can figure out what this movie is about uh, and other such stuff and things and stuff. Uh, and a quick synopsis of the film, which, yeah, this is about as synopsis as you can get. I tried to tell my <laughs> wife what, what it was about and that took oh, forever. Man. So this is it's interesting. This dude and he's doing, the, oh, wait, yeah. hold on. Let me go back. I forgot about the penguin. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Anyway, it's uh, a man seeks out his exact look like after spotting him in a movie. It's directed by Denny Villeneuve. Screenplay by Javier Guion, based on the novel by Jose Saramago, cinematography by Nicholas Bolduc. Uh, it's featuring Jake Gyllenhaal as Adam and Anthony, Sarah Gadon as Helen, the wife, Melanie Laurent as Mary, the girlfriend, and Isabella Rossellini as mother. Control. It's all about control. Every dictatorship has one obsession, and that's it. So in ancient Rome, they gave the people bread and circuses. They kept the populace busy with entertainment. But other dictatorships use other, other strategies to control ideas, the knowledge. How do they do that? Lower education. They limit culture. Censor information. They censor any means of individual expression. And it's important to remember this, that this is a pattern that repeats itself throughout history. Okay, Todd. So... Oh, <laughs> throw it at me. I know. Uh, you always do. I'm interested to hear, like, I assume this is... I know, I know you've watched it at least one other time, but I don't know if you've watched it any other times between then and this... Uh, and so I'm interested just to hear what impact this has on you uh, as, I don't know, as a film. I'm a, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you think it's an interesting movie. Um, and I'm curious to hear what interests you about it. I'd also like to, I don't know, hear your thoughts about cinematography. It's hard to, I don't have any notes about the cinematography, but it's almost impossible to talk about a Denny film without discussing cinematography. He's got such a strong visual language. Um, and so, I don't know. Uh, what do you got, man? Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, 
I, well, yeah, it's a very interesting film. Uh, it's a film that you have to watch more than once. Like, you just have to. Because the first time, you don't know what's coming, you don't know what's happening, and then you're just left. <laughs> like, the way it ends, it's like, what the... But in a second or third viewing, you notice you notice some stuff, some ties. Like, the clip you played is basically, like, a, a very direct... Um, representation of the film i guess for bat, lack of a better term but i mean talks about a pattern repeating itself so what i think yeah is yeah <laughs> what i think is that it is a it is addressing a couple many things honestly but i think like if you were to pick just a couple on its surface it's a couple of things one we have many people inside us many different versions of us we have the 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 honda driving pays his bills on time has a girlfriend uh and is a professor that's a volvo sir you will respect the volvo whatever you know what i mean <laughs> i will drives a volvo even better even better a box on wheels uh and then on the other end we have we all have a uh, motorcycle driving you know actor with a beautiful wife, pregnant, lives in a nice place, you know, mm. uh, like we, we have two, we have multiple versions of ourselves. It doesn't have to be those two things, but we have the, the upper echelon, like what we're capable of. And we have the, what we are. And I feel like in order it's a, it's partially, you have to kill what you are in order to get to what that motorcycle driving you know famous actor beautiful wife version is and, but it's a cyclical thing because all also once you do that you are now a completely different person and you are you basically have to kill off that version of yourself right it, to be something else and i think this this the spider is interesting i'll get to that in a second but what I saw this time watching it was a circle was we start with him. We don't, we just see Jake Gyllenhaal going into this, this room with this key and there's these, you know, women dancing. And then this whole, the whole spider, we see the spider situation and she's about to kill it. And then it cuts. And then, but we don't know what version that is. Cause then we see the, the professor and we just assume that's him. But really, it was the motorcycle driving version of him. And, and you know, then we find out, oh, it's a special club and there's a key and blah, 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 blah. And at the end, when he opens the package finally or the the the, um, the envelope and he sees the key and he says, I need to go out. And then he goes into the room and he sees the spider or the, the big giant spider is there. It's like her about to squish the spider at the beginning, I feel like, is him killing himself to become him his other version of himself again and so and it's a, a cyclical thing because when he walks in the room he sees the giant spider it's like it's like we're addressing the elephant in the room the spider in the room the you are you are now that thing that you weren't before because you've killed yourself you've killed that version of yourself it's it's hard to explain it's hard to explain but when you watch it you kind of feel it which is a brilliant which is why Denny is just Denny. He's just able to tell a story without telling you anything. And that's what makes him so great. That's what makes his 
movie is so rewatchable and so fun and 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 great to talk about. That's what makes Nolan great to talk about. When you talk about Inception and we talk about um, uh, Interstellar, it's like they're able to tell you these things without telling you the things, but also and leave you with something to talk about. I mean, I want to know what you think. Um, that's just on the surface of what I think, you know, but like, I think, I think it's interesting that when he finds his quote unquote doppelganger, it's not his doppelganger. It's him. They have the same scars. They have the, they look exactly the same. Their hands are the same, like all the, they are the same person. Hence becoming that new version of yourself. I love that. Uh, the motorcycle, the motorcycle version, but I, Anthony, I, right. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Motorcycle guy. Uh, his wife knows that that's the professor in bed. She says, how is class or whatever she says in bed, mm-hmm. like knows and identifies, like says while she's laying on him, you know, and like she sees him, she, and she welcomes that she wants that she wants that version of him. Right. But he can't help, but be the other version. And and it also, the last thing I'll say is that it could also, it could relate to pretty much anything that we're trying to stay away from, whether that's alcoholism or drugs or porn or, or whatever. We just, we like, I'm trying to stay away from biting your nails, like mm-hmm. anything that we're like, quote unquote, addicted to that we, that we're trying to stay away from. And we, we, we fight it, we fight it, we fight it. But then ultimately, you know, it takes us over or cheating you know, once a cheater, always a cheater, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a really hard to forever change, to forever remove that from your life. If that is a thing that has been a source of like, of like fulfillment for you, no matter how negative it is. I'm going to stop there because I could keep going and I just don't know where I'm going. (laughs) That's so cool that, you know, that's what you took away this is such a cool movie, man. It uh, is. Because my first, my my first or second time, maybe my second time watching it. The first time I'm watching it, I'm like, what what is going on? What is going on right now? Like you said, you have to watch it multiple times. And of all the movies we've ever done, this might be the only one. I would have to go back. But this might be the only one that is actually begging you to analyze it. Like the others welcome it this one is asking for it and my my second time watching it i was like that speech that i played the lecture uh, about dictatorship i was like oh this is some kind of i don't know parable or allegory for uh dictatorship and uh government and uh identity and self-expression right because you know he's an actor and he's uh it, it is this alternate version of himself that he's he he doesn't get to experience and and so i Finally sitting down to, to watch it, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to figure this thing out. I've, I've lightly made notes before, like mostly mental, like, um, don't forget this, don't forget that. And this, this time I've watched it like three or four times in the last 24 hours. So like, uh, I'm like one step away from, you know, having cork boards and yarn and photos on my wall <laughs> and like, you know, smoking cigarettes, chain smoking. And like, like you gotta, you gotta know, give me the coffee, give me the coffee. I gotta, I gotta tell you something. What, what, what about, what about this? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I'm, I'm on the, I'm on the cusp here of, of discovering something big, Todd. Uh, <laughs> and so sitting down and actually taking notes and like 
okay, what is this movie trying to be and trying to communicate? And I, I love it for how obscure and surreal it is. All the imagery is very, it's, it's simple. This looks like the kind of movie they probably shot in two weeks. Maybe it took, I really have no idea. I kept trying to find out how long were they on set shooting this thing? Um, because he shot this at about the same time as prisoners. And, and I did read that prisoners and enemy got greenlit at the same time. So he's like, I guess I make two movies at once right now. Uh, and Crazy. it also screened both of these films, I think at uh, Toronto uh, international film festival. And so he had two movies in one festival. It was just one of those, like what, you know, who are you Ridley Scott? Like just cranking these things out. And so sitting down, actually trying to figure out, stop preconceiving, you know, what I think it might be about and just let it be on its own terms. I think it's much more simple than any of that. Um, I think there's a few different ways you can look at it. I think what you, I mean, honestly, even hearing you talk about, I was like, I, you convinced me of that. And so all bets are off. But I think if I were to think about what's the most interesting way to watch this film, it's as a, a from the point of view, not of Adam, not of Anthony, but of Helen, his wife. If you watch this movie thinking that everything is from her point of view, everything, every scene um, is from uh, her point of view, or at least from the point of view of the women, then you arrive at a very different story. Um, and it's a story of being gaslit. I, yes. I think he's gaslighting Helen, his wife, the same way that we are being gaslit as a viewer. And one of the first things I think you have to ask yourself, is this a movie of uh, that's grounded in realism or is it something else? Right. And I, I, I think it has to be something else uh, unless I'm not aware of any like 500 foot tall spiders like roaming the earth. I mean, I've never been to Australia, which is where I assume you would probably keep, you know, a 500 foot spider. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, barring that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just going to assume that this is not supposed to be grounded in reality. And so there is this kind of cyclical thing happening. Um, there, there is this looping thing happening. Uh, and again, there's multiple ways that you can view this. One of them, the, I think the simplest way is to think of it uh, similar to what you're talking about, that he's there's everyone contains multitudes and different versions of yourself and the, the version you want to be versus the version that you are. Um, and for there, that's really interesting. I think another way to, to think about that same kind of idea is you have Anthony who is thinking in flashbacks and what we're really seeing is his kind of death rattle. Like he got caught cheating wrecked his car and the spider web on the windshield, which is what you call that. Like uh, I learned that in driver's ed, you know, when I was whatever, 15, 16, like whenever you're not buckled in, you hit the window, it creates a spider web. And that's where all the imagery of spiders comes from is, uh, is him kind of looking and dying and reflecting on his life and how he left his six month pregnant wife, you know, behind and, um, and he, he shouldn't have been there in the first place. Uh, he's been cheating and running around and now it's all finally caught up. Uh, because if you also think about the conversation that's happening when the wreck happens, it's not one of unfamiliarity. This isn't Anthony 
trying to uh, get one over on some other guy's girlfriend. It's not that. It's one of lovers having an argument. What does he say? He's something like, I'm sick and tired of this shit. Like, uh, you're, you're acting like a child, right? He's, he's being very demeaning. He's being very aggressive. These are kind of uh, the, the hallmarks of uh, a narcissist, right? Who he got caught. Like, she, she saw the, the ring mark on his finger in the middle of sex. She flips out, right? And, and it, this movie is so brilliant because it lets you watch it in one way. The first time you watch it, you are thinking this is, this is a guy who's discovering a doppelganger. And he doesn't know what to make of it. And now the doppelganger wants to hook up with his girlfriend because he's a, a raging piece of shit. Okay. Um, and then the doppelganger gets caught. And the, the girlfriend is like, who are you? Like, I don't know who you are. Whereas if you start thinking about it in this other term, all these comp conversations start to take on a completely new context, new meaning. Because now instead of saying, who are you? As in, I literally don't know who you are. She's, she's talking more figuratively. Like, who are you? Who am I? Who have I been seeing? You're a married man. What is this person? Like, who who are you? And so there's that side of it. And that's a really interesting way to think about all the imagery, the spider, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's one. Wow, that's really great. It makes sense, right? It, it starts yes. to like click. Um, and it's also why whenever he walks in at the end, you know, he sees the spider. Um, but if you stop thinking about the spider... And you start thinking about the first images that we see in the film. One of the, it's the third image we see. The first one is the skyline, um, which you can almost escape from and say, that's not really our first image. The next image that we see is him in the car. Okay. But the image after that is his pregnant wife on the bed, looking back at him over the shoulder. She's naked, right? Well, she has her under one on, but you know, she's topless. And that I think you could say is the start of the film where he walks in, he's giving her a line right at the end of the film. He walks in he's like, Hey, do you, do you have anything, uh, you know, playing tonight? I think I got to go out and cut from, instead of going to the spider, you cut to her looking back over her shoulder. Now that's not perfect because at the same time she just walked out of the shower. Um, so her hair should be wet. It's down. Uh, in the in the opening scene it's actually up it's dry uh, so it's not technically that but I think it starts a new cycle which is what he's talking about of uh, great events don't happen once they happen twice the first well, time and, he, and she's actually sitting on Adam's bed yes uh, or she... and yeah like like the the professor's bed really okay yeah yeah uh, like, good interesting it's that angle and that in that room, because then we see Anthony's bed whenever they're laying together later on. It's a to that's a totally different totally, bed. And it's from a completely different angle because their house uh, that they live in together um, as a married couple is really nice. And yeah. Adam's house is garbage. Like it's, yeah, it's barely anything empty. there. Yeah. It's empty. And so that, I think you're right. And so that would completely make sense for the next version that I'm going to, uh, the the one that I think is most interesting that will really mess you up is way better, which is the gaslighting. He is telling her that there's another guy who's pretending who who looks like me. Um, and when in reality, he just got caught having an affair and he's he's trying to create this whole other story to get him out of being caught. And so if you think about this as 
there is no Adam. I mean, there is an Adam. There is an Adam Bell, but it's not him. It looks nothing like him. It's not Anthony. It's not a lookalike. It's just some other dude that he got caught uh, having an affair with his girlfriend. That's that's what it is. Anthony had an affair on Helen with some other guy's wife, who is Mary, the girlfriend, played by Melanie uh, Loren. Um, and he got caught. Adam Bell calls his house and is trying to figure out, like, who is this guy? Okay, so we never meet Adam. We never hear Adam. Everything that's Adam is a story that Anthony is telling his wife. God damn, that's good. And so now, with that in mind, he's trying to actively gaslight his wife. And gaslighting has taken on kind of uh, more meanings in today's society. But uh, the original term comes from a play, I believe, called Gaslight, where this man is trying to make his wife go crazy in order to do something, probably have an affair. I don't know. I haven't seen or read the, the, the play. And so he's just messing with her head to make her feel like she's crazy and, and presenting a false reality as a reality. And so think about him gaslighting his wife. He's trying to convince her of this whole other reality where there's someone who, who looks just like me, but it's not me, but they look just like me. And now replay all the conversations that happen with all the women. Those are real conversations. Those are real moments. Everything between Adam and Anthony is fake. It's bullshit. And so you, you have to start looking at it from that point of view. And so if you're watching on YouTube, you'll, you'll see what's going on. Um, so Todd, I'm going to screen share. And if you're only listening on uh, the podcast, that's fine. I will just uh, uh, cut to the, the good bits because there's a lot of body communication, nonverbal stuff happening that uh, I think plays better. And so let's go through some of these scenes with this in mind. This is fake. This is his hut. This is her husband doing a bit hello uh good afternoon hey i'm calling uh, um no, i'm calling to speak Where to are you calling from i'm, so I'm sorry I, th I think there's been a misunderstanding i'm calling to speak to daniel st Clair. the anthony you called home I, i'm sorry i don't understand what are you doing <laughs> my name's not anthony you're not anthony no uh, i i i'm calling to speak to daniel st Clair, the actor um if I'm not mistaken, that's Anthony Clare's uh, name that he uses for um, for the movies for 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 his for his work. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Daniel isn't here right now. Maybe I can get him to call you back. Okay. Well, I'm sorry to bother you. What? What? Uh, I, oh. Who is this? Hello? Who is this? Oh, he doesn't know me. No. Okay, I'm gonna Anthony? I'll call back later. That's a husband scared that he's about to get caught. That's that's the franticness. It's not, oh my God, someone recognized my voice, even though it plays that way. It's a husband who's now playing a bit. At first, he's, he's kind of laughing it off, and then he commits. 
right? And now it's like, okay, now let's look at the next conversation with his wife. Yep. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, okay. Listen to me. Never call here again. Who was that? It was that same guy. What did he want? I don't know. He sounded crazy. Like he, uh, he sounded like a stalker or something. A stalker? Yeah, he said that he was a fan of mine, that he wanted to uh, meet up or something. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. <laughs> You're messing with me. Right? Anthony. Uh, you want to get something to eat? Who was on the phone? Helen, the same guy who called before. The same guy. That's who's on the phone. I told you that. Why, why would I tell you any differently? Are you lying to me? I... Uh... You're lying to me. You're acting crazy. I'm not crazy. Who was on the phone? I told you it was a man who was on the phone. Are you seeing her? Helen, I don't want to get into this. Are you seeing her again? I think you need to get something to eat. Let's go get something to eat. And then... I don't want to get anything... It was a man! It was a man! What do you think it was? A jealous husband? Yeah. I don't want to get into this again. Okay? I don't want to get into this. I'm going for a walk. Okay, so oh, yeah. <laughs> you start to see it, right? Like, it just feels so obvious. But the other thing that he does in that scene is he goes in plain sight, writes a note, stuffs it in his pocket. Now, if you're trying to actually keep this down the down low, you don't do that. Instead, he wants her to discover this name because he's already Googled it. Now, you have to, the other thing you have to realize is this whole thing isn't necessarily in sequence. It's all uh, told at the convenience. It, there's a lot of censorship going on, right? The control of information. There's a lowering of education, right? He, the, this is also the director at war with us to gaslight us. He's doing his best to make us just as convinced as Helen is that this is all real, that there really is someone else that looks just like him who's having sex with this other uh, petite, blonde, white girl. Yeah. who seems to be his type, <laughs> yeah, you know? And so you're starting to be like, wait. And so what does she do? She goes into his pocket, discovers this, you know, note. And the very next day goes to find, well, what does Adam Bell look like? What, what is this? Oh, there's this guy. And how does that conversation go? Hello. Hi. Is everything all right? How many months are you? Six. That's nice. Uh. 
should be going. I have a class I have to teach. And... <laughs> uh, never know how your day is going to turn out. Have a nice day. And of course, she calls him and he picks up, but it's only after he turns the corner. So we never really see. Uh, it's just enough to kind of convince her that maybe, maybe. And it just, he doesn't stop. Uh, the next conversation is uh, her confessing to him. A guy on the phone, I went to his work. Why did you do that? That's dangerous, honey. Are you okay? He had the same voice. He looks exactly like you. What do you mean exactly like me? What's happening? I really don't know what you're talking about. I think you know. I think you know. So the other thing that could be happening is this guy is just leading an actual double life. That's possible. I, I That's slightly less fun, um, even though I think it holds up to the same level of scrutiny. Uh, mm -hmm. but either way, he still has to gaslight her into thinking these are two separate people. Um, and would also explain some of the, uh, the stuff happening with his uh, girlfriend. Um, but I think one of the most telling moments is the conversation with his mom. I think he's trying to drag his mother into his drama. And if you stop thinking about this guy again, finding a doppelganger and he's trying to get confirmation, mom, you, we assume so many pieces of information. Um, and this is where that opening soundbite of dictatorships that control information, right? Through censorship, through uh, distractions, right? Uh, Rome had bread and circuses. And so he's trying to provide all these distractions. And now he's trying to figure out a way because his wife is onto him. If you also watch the film thinking about some of these uh, shots that look like they're coming from Anthony, are actually coming from his wife. It's suddenly looking like she's watching him. Um, and instead of uh, Anthony is watching himself, but listening to this conversation with his mother, thinking about, he's trying to get her to help him get out of this. And he's devised this whole scheme that we're talking about, that I'm going to tell her that there's this other guy who looks just like me. And what do you think, mom? Because at the beginning of the film, what does she say? Hey, you know, thanks for showing me your new apartment. This is the voicemail that she left on his uh, phone. And she's saying, you know, I don't know how you live like that. And we just kind of assume 
nothing really. We don't know anything. Um, and it's pretty nice that the very first thing we hear is something that we can't contextualize. Uh, and so give it to us there. That way it's absolutely useless to us. But hey, you gave us the information. <laughs> um, and so let's, let's watch the conversation with his mom. There must be some difference. There isn't. Cannot be exactly the same. We are. Did you take your clothes off in front of him? No. Okay, then. You didn't eat. The last thing you need is to be meeting strange men in hotel rooms. You have enough trouble sticking with one woman, don't you? Here. I don't like blueberries. Of course you do, and they're good for you. I am going to pretend I never heard a word of what you just told me. I just wanted your advice. You don't want advice. I don't want to hear any more about this. You are my only son. I am your only mother. You have a respectable job. You have a nice apartment. And since we have been frank here, I think you should quit that fantasy being a third-rate movie actor. That felt personal. Like, uh, stop trying to be an actor. Like, when your mom hits you with calling you a third-rate anything, either she's a really bad mom or you probably need to stop doing whatever it is that you're doing. The other interesting thing, though, is that her, her place is really nice, filled with art. She's an artist. She's making a living as an artist. Um, and you can see where his inclination for acting might come from. She says he, he has a respectable job. We don't know what that job is. Um, it's not out of the question that maybe he's a teacher and this is how he discovered all these things. Maybe uh, Adam Bell is, you know, someone that he saw around on campus. Maybe that's how he got to see his girlfriend and how he made a move on his girlfriend. Because I also think whenever we see him on the train, that's when we actually see him uh, see her for the first time, or at least he's now jealous about her and wants her back. It's really, there's just not enough information here to go on. And that's kind of the point is to kind of keep you as in the dark as possible while giving you just enough information to, to make your suspicions. But it goes back to that scene you talked about. How was school? It's her whenever he, he's undressing there. We rack focus from him to her. She sees something. She sees something on his back. And if he's just getting home from an affair, because he was supposed to be out with his mom, he wasn't. He was out having an affair, which is the whole hotel that he goes to, the hotel that they meet in, um, out in whatever breezeway inn, even though that's not the hotel that they go to. Um, it's not an inn that they go to. They end up at a hotel. But... If you watch that scene, it's him following this woman, or at least he's eyeballing the hell out of her. Um, and she's walking with the card in the hand. He's following behind her. And then there's this weird little jump cut where he's just suddenly at room 221. Uh, and it's important to remember room 221 because that's the same room he goes and meets uh, the girlfriend in whenever they escape for the weekend getaway. That's the same room. They, 
that he takes her to. Uh, and so it's weird that he would go and meet his doppelganger in this room that he just happens to whatever. Uh, and that was an hour outside of town. It's like, right. why? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, there is no reason to go that far out of the way to, to meet this guy um, since it's all innocent anyway. And so, yeah, I think that begins to explain the ending, the whole sequence where he wakes up. He's, he's not a sociopath. He does have a conscience. He's just a really big pile of poop. <laughs> like he's just a terrible human being. Uh, he has no excuse to to be running around having an affair. And so this whole conversation that he has on the couch, whole conversation. I mean, the the few words that he gets out. He's crying. He's upset. He couldn't sleep, uh, and he apologizes. Why is he? If this is some random dude, this is Adam, uh, the the history teacher, apologizing to her. We take it on face value as. I'm sorry. I'm not, you know who I am and I, I'm not getting away with it as the, the doppelganger pretending to be Anthony. That's what we assume it is to be, but it's so much more sense to be apologizing. I'm acting weird. I'm acting funny um, because I had an affair and I'm sorry. And that's why she says, I want you to stay like we can work through this. Um, and you know, they're making up and the next day something else happens, right? He gets the key and he opens the key and watch how he react uh, reacts whenever uh, she calls to him from the other room. I forgot to tell you that your mother called. Probably call her back. Okay. Alan, did you plan on doing something tonight? Because I think I have to go out. Helen? Helen? And so I think when you start to ask why a spider, why insert this thing? I like, I really like what you said. Uh, it's the 800 pound gorilla in the room. It's the thing, you know, you're caught. I think it's, that works really, really well. I also think you could say why a spider? It's because he's been spinning this web of lies. And whenever you keep doing that, you turn her into a spider. You turn her um, and he keeps treating her like she's the enemy. That's why it's called enemy. Because he's treating her like she's the enemy. Y'all are supposed to be married. This is supposed to be your love of your life. This is not how you... I think he's doing it wrong. <laughs> like if this is a reason to get married and have a family, why are you doing it if you, 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 you have so much contempt for it? Um, and so I think the, uh, the, the, the final thing I would say is him... Treating her that way uh, turns her into the spider. And that's why at the beginning of the film, he goes into the sex club 
whatever it is, a secret underground, weird spider fetish, women performing sex acts on stage uh, thing. And she's the spider at the beginning of the film being crushed by his affairs. And so you start having all these symbolic gestures uh, to, to, I don't know, just make it this incredible surreal experience. Maybe it still ties into him, you know, reevaluating his life in the wreck. Um, there's, there's something that they're not giving us uh, all the information that we need in order to perfectly decipher this. And that's also why at the beginning of the film, chaos is order yet undeciphered. We don't quite have the perfect key to unlock the codex uh, that explains everything perfectly. Um, and I think there's a lot of information they're holding back. Uh, there's probably, if you imagine some of these scenes are longer scenes, like the conversation with his mother is a, a five minute scene instead of a two minute scene. The first three minutes, they just cut out. The, the scene on the couch with his wife is a five minute scene, but when we're cutting away, we're cutting out all the other bits of conversation. And instead, we're watching uh, the, the affair dissolve. And it's the same thing. Even though it's a conversation with his wife, we're still watching the conversation happen just in, in literal form. It's uh, this, this other thing happening. Yeah, I, I had other thoughts I can't quite remember because there's just... a a million things happening, but this whole thing is about gaslighting his wife um, and gaslighting us to also go along with it. Um, because if, if someone presented all this to you, you're like, well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's two of these guys, right? <laughs> like, especially your first time through. Yeah. If, well, if, apparently you're second and third too. Yeah, right. Cause Oh my God. Like, yeah, that's that might, this might be the most insightful episode we've ever done from you. Like that is, it's absolutely mind-bendingly awesome it's really cool because then if you if you think about that like everything adam is doing is a lie now you listen to their phone conversations stop listening to what adam is saying start listening to what anthony is saying and imagine that his wife is standing five feet away around the corner listening in and then when he gets off the phone he's like no it was a conversation with this this guy I'm telling you, this is what he said. Like suddenly he's filling in all the pieces of information with a lie that's supposed to be this real thing. Uh, and it just keeps spinning weirder and weirder. And he's just, I don't know, <laughs> like the, the, the last thing you can do, because as when you're lying to someone, there's tells like he keeps laughing, he keeps smiling because um, he's like, you just can't help it. You're getting away with a really crazy lie. And so it seeps out like, and when he's on the bench, he lets out this laugh, man, where the day's going to take you, right? <laughs> Got to go. <laughs> like, uh, I can't hold on anymore on the phone. He lets out a laugh. It's uncomfortable. Um, and then he's like, crap, I gotta, I gotta really get it together. And you also think about the moment whenever he's rehearsing, how he's going to give it to Anthony or Adam. Anthony is an actor and he uses those acting talents against his wife and we see him rehearsing how he's going to uh, convince Adam to give his girlfriend over to him. Right. Uh, and he's practicing in the mirror. Right. And then you think about the conversation with his wife at the drinking the orange juice. It was a man, man on the phone. Like that's rehearsed. This is him going through the motions of things that he's already pr practiced. He's written. And he never, script. she said, are you seeing her again? He never says that he's not. And with the way that, 
he positions himself as the island in the kitchen is between them. Oof. So he 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 comes in immediately, goes and pours the dr- the orange juice, walks in, he writes that note, but then he comes back and he again stands on the other side of the island, as it as if to like separate them. That's a, it, yeah, exactly. Now that I watch it from that point of view, it's it's obvious. It's, it's obvious. So and obvious. then why why in that other clip you played when they're laying on the couch, and she's like, "What's happening?" He's like, "I don't know what you're talking about." That's not what you say. What you say is, I don't know what's happening. This is crazy. Like, I can't believe there's somebody, you know, but he's just a bad liar (laughs) Uh, or he's trying to, it's, it's, it's almost like he's trying to get caught or he's just, he's just not that. But anyway, yeah. And at the end of the movie, right, it feels like he's turning a corner. And this is why I, I think it all makes sense too, is because he, one of two things, either he wrecked the car and got out. And left that girl there. And now he's 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 home and he's dealing with everything that he just experienced. Cause we never hear like she turns the radio station from whatever happened to that girl. Uh we don't know because it's one a one vehicle crash. So that crash really, you know, happened. And we don't know if he was in the car whenever, you know, the whatever people came or I think he just got out because the other interesting thing about the, the spider web on the windshield is it's on the passenger side. It's, it's not on his side. And so I don't know, maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't. Yeah. The, and then the other thing is if that was really Adam at the end, taking over this guy's life, then it doesn't make sense for him to hide the, to react so suspiciously when the, he, he finds the key, he finds this key Right. And he knows immediately what it is. And it's just like temptation is there again. Oh my God. Uh, And that key could be to the secret underground sex club, or it also could be the key to this other apartment. And maybe this is where the loop starts over again. Because again, um, there's two, there's the history happens twice, right? That's what Hegel said. And then Marx added in the first time is a tragedy. Second time is a farce. So if the tragedy of the first affair is the car wreck, and him living and getting out and saying, I'm sorry, this is never happening again. The second time through is a farce. And that's what this whole movie is. It's one big farce of him trying to cover up his his sins. Because now that she's aware that he's a cheater, you're going to have to work harder to get away with it. And he opens his key and it's like, oh, oh, uh, shoves it down into his pocket, right? Hey, uh, you, you, like you said, he's, he's trying to be a good liar. He's really mediocre at it. Um, he has his moments. He has his bad moments, uh, which, you know, is how it goes when people are cheating on each other. Um, and he's like, uh, I got, I think I got to go out when he walks in the room. There she is. She knows it's, it, it's a weird spider. The other thing, the interesting thing about the spider is it's, it looks pregnant. If you look at the the first one, it's got this huge, you know, whatever body on, on, on the end. It looks like a pregnant spider to me, which of course would, you know, fit perfectly with, uh, his wife. And then she, the, the spider at the end has this big eye, right. That's just sitting in the middle of its body. Uh, spiders don't have a eye. They have like a thousand eyes. And some of that might be reflected in some of the imagery as he's op- as he's walking to put on his jacket we're looking through a mirror at him and it's got all these little reflections. And I think that could be a case of uh, the spider um, is, is watching him and is aware of his actions and is wanting to see what he's going to do. Um, and then of course he walks in and 
you know, now she's the, she's in a corner, you know, she's suspicious and I don't know. Uh, it's interesting. I, I still, I love this movie. I, I might be able to put it to rest now. Um, but because it's not a perfect symmetrical mapping of my theory, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it, Todd. It's pretty (laughs) goddamn symmetrical. It's pretty, pretty insightful. You didn't like, like you just came up with that. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. It's, it's out there, right? Like once you start seeing it from the lens of the women, cause the, the, the affair is real, you know, to, to Helen, um, it's real to the girlfriend and when she finds out it's, she flips out like, Whoa, you're married. Who are you? Like, this is insane. Uh, because maybe at, at first she wasn't, she was aware. Maybe it was like, Oh, I'm going to leave her. And you know, I don't know. You can paint in all this interesting backstory. It's not really supported by what we see, but again, there's so little to go on, uh, which is the whole point of a really good lie is to give as little information as possible uh, to, to the victim. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this was just me trying to read the tea leaves a, a bit. <laughs> That's incredible. I literally have nothing else to add. I can't follow that with anything that that's i don't know what's more amazing that that was made right. or that that's what you got out of it and that i totally agree <laughs> i don't know i mean definitely that it was made i get that but that's yeah. pretty freaking cool i've never heard that before that what an amazing way to put something like that oh, yeah it's crazy I, it's it's fascinating it makes me want to like what would, if I were to make a sister movie to this, like what, what would that story even look like? Um, how would you go about creating something that's so far removed from the, the real story? Yeah. Like you, it feels like a story about a story about a story. Um, and at a certain yeah. point it's like, yeah, this was just about a guy cheating. And now it's about a spider, like stalking the city, looking for her husband, you know, or whatever. Um, well, and to have the main character, not be the main character. Hmm. You know how that's, that's really the, the thing that like, when you said that, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And I've never seen a story told about a character that's like focused on a character that's not the main character. Yeah. Like really the main character, you're right, is the wife because it's basically like everything happens to her, around her, about her, like at her and, and, and that's the perspective that that you have to look at it from and amazing it's, and it's interesting that we never really see any tenderness that he has towards her he really does treat her like the enemy and i think that really i really think that's why it's called enemy as opposed to the first time we meet the girlfriend he greets her at the door gives her a hug gives her a kiss they go have sex we never see them have sex uh his wife like they start to on the couch at the end as an act of forgiveness and welcoming him back into the fold or whatever is the way I read it. Uh, but we see all kinds of tenderness, a lot of sex between him and his girlfriend and you know, it's lust, right? Yeah. There's it's out of sequence. It's man. I think it's, it's cool. It's a really cool movie. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That's all I got. I'll, I'll stop because it never ends. Right. We, you just kind of keep putting everything under the microscope. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. (laughs) I I have nothing. I don't want to say anything else. I think it's a great way to leave it. 
What uh yeah, what what are you going to recommend this week? Man. I mean, I can't really follow that with <laughs> anything. Uh I'm going to um I'm going to recommend this uh uh Apple TV show Shrinking that I started watching uh with Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. I just started watching it cuz uh, I watched Ted Lasso and then I saw it after it and it's it's entertaining. It's funny. Jason Siegel is brilliant in it. Uh, I think the writing is is funny and it's fun um, and an interesting. It's 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 interesting. So uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend Shrinking on Apple TV. I'm going to recommend if you like kind of weird mind bending things. I'm going to recommend uh, a movie. It's probably uh, new context and a lot of the last few years, uh, some of the conversations, but. When it first came out, it was one of those like, what? This is crazy. Uh, it's called The Skin I Live In. It's with Antonio Banderas. It's wild. It's a, I want to say a Mexican film. And so Spanish subtitles. But man, like that's a, that's a journey. If you, if you enjoyed Enemy, you would probably uh, get a kick out of uh, The Skin I Live In. That's a, that's a wild one. Um, cool. Yeah uh spotlight i meant to do this last week we have several spotlights coming up over the next few weeks this week uh spotlight on chris Minjes, friend of the show he was uh with cassie whenever they uh came on to talk about blade runner 2049 um he works at weta workshop uh he's a craftsmith uh blacksmith does all kinds of cool things and he made or at least was a part of a team that made a bunch of stuff for snow crash and snow crash was recommended by ricky holm who came on the show during ready player one and so snow crash is a book that's about virtual reality and all kinds of other stuff in the book there's a character named hito uh who has a really cool sword and so and there's all kinds of interesting other tech stuff that happens in that world of snow crash and so what a workshop put together this crazy package of uh this amazing box and the sword, they built the sword from this book. Chris Minja has worked on the sword and it's amazing. It's like one of the coolest things I've seen. And so I'll link a, a link, I'll link it to the, in the show notes, what the sword looks like and everything according to, I hopefully Chris has something in his, whatever, uh, uh, Instagram profile that, that has it. That's where I, I found out about it, but they put all this stuff together and sold it at Sotheby's, um, for like 400 grand. Like this thing went for crazy bucks to probably some wild fan of snow crash, which should be made into a movie, but yeah, but it's really, really cool craftsmanship. Um, hats off to Chris and his team because it's freaking cool. Yeah. Stay tuned for next week. We're not done with you. Denny villain. Um, <laughs> uh, we're going to take a look at prisoners. Um, because again, these movies were made right about at the same time, finished at the same time. And so, uh, I suspect prisoners will be a different experience from enemy. Um, enemy's kind of singular in the film world. I think, I don't know that there's anything else like it that I've seen and part of, I guess why it's so fascinating to watch. Yeah. So stay tuned for prisoners. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget, drop us a note. Um, had uh, shout out to Seth. Uh, he sent some really cool stuff recently and I'm man, really, really interested to dive into your, he sent, uh, pitch deck that he's working on really cool stuff really fun ideas uh and so great job man i have an email that i'm cooking up back to you uh yeah so if you know you ever want to reach out and and talk uh 
yeah, let us know what you're enjoying about the show. You can leave us a review. Uh, sorry, I got a text in the middle of talking and it just completely. So I probably sounded like a weirdo, like like uh, Anthony lying to his wife. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, Is it her? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you are you cheating on me with some other podcast? <laughs> or I'm, I'm not podcasting with anyone else but you, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> you better not be. You like blueberries, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and yeah, so if, uh, if you want to leave a note on this episode... What's your theory? What is this movie really about? According to you, uh, leave us a note at thepestlepodcast.com slash enemy. And our quote of the day is from George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. Truth in philosophy means that concept and external reality correspond. <laughs> that's, a, that's about as confusing to me as this movie. <laughs> so, uh, concept and reality oh, correspond. Okay. But so I was I was interested. I've never heard of Hegel. And so whenever he mentions him as part of his lecture, um, I was like, OK, what's this? What's this guy about? And so looked up a bunch of his quotes and this, I felt, corresponds pretty well to the movie. Truth and philosophy means that concept and external reality correspond, concept and external reality correspond. Um, and when I was thinking about it, applying it to this movie, the concept is that this guy is being, you know, a, a, a flanderer um, and he's gaslighting his wife. So that's that's our concept. The external reality is being represented through like the spider and uh, this other doppelganger actually existing. He's trying to make it look like the external reality is very truth um, and, and is very much part of the concept. Um, and that's kind of the, the philosophical stakes at play. Right. The his philosophy is that cheating you're creating an alternate reality in order to get away with cheating um and so yeah i i don't know it's messy my my analogy here is you know uh, no that makes perfect sense i completely get it and that's an interesting way to look at um writing a story if you think about it it's like like okay well i need a concept and i need to show that reality now i don't need to do it in a way that's obvious i can like attach this the spider to to her to her i can i can do things around it but like looking at them as separate things as long as you make them correspond then they result in truth does that make sense so yeah. like that's an interesting way to write a story in fact it, it might be the interesting way to write a story <laughs> right like any story that actually actually uh, obeys that obeys that law could be done in any way i mean that might pulp fiction is a great example right where everything's out of order but you have certain realities i don't know maybe it's a bad example of that but if you sit down and you say okay i have these two things i have concept and i have external reality as long as i make sure that they marry you know then that is a truth like that's interesting you know that is interesting yeah that's a fun approach to yeah telling a right. story. Especially so you a don't necessarily story. need to know the beginning and the end. You can just make sure at any point, whenever you're in a scene, does does this external reality uh, meet the criteria of whatever this concept is? Like, okay, so he's a he's a cheater who's doing creating an alternate reality, right? Like that's that's what this needs to involve. Um, and as long as it involves that, then it's matching the concept. Like that would be fun. That sounds really fun. 
God, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like something you should do. Yeah, I'll, I'll tinker <laughs> with that. That's. I yeah. like this. This is mind bending. Good, good. Gosh, you have killed this episode today. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, I was, I was, I really was worried coming into this one because it's such a weird movie. It's begging to be analyzed, and so uh, if nothing else, it's good bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, amazing. Well, thank you guys for joining us and going on this crazy ride. Uh, and man, that was really mind bending and and wonderful. I feel like I have I'm like have ammunition to go make something now. Thank you for that, Wes. Uh, as Wes said before, uh, if you like this, please share us with your friends, uh, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. It all helps. If there's a film that you want to see us dis- dissect, uh, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, I don't know. I have nothing else to add. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies.